Good morning, Outlook family. It's good to see everyone this morning, whether you're with me here in the room or you're joining us online. It's just really good to be together. And I'm looking forward to jumping into God's Word this morning as we are uh, kicking back in again, as Kate mentioned there in the video, to this recurring series that we've formed called Live Free. We're talking about living free, specifically exploring the intersection between our mental and emotional health and our spiritual life and discipleship to Jesus. Now, just in case you're joining us uh, now at this part of the series, here's a quick review of some of the stuff that we tackled last fall. We learned that our weaknesses, and we all have them, are not failures, but opportunities. We learned that self-care is not selfish. We learned that boundaries and limits are really gifts to accept, not burdens to reject. And we also learned that growing in Jesus will result in knowing ourselves. All of this through the, through the, looked at through the lens of our mental and emotional health and how it intersects with our spiritual health. Now we're going to dive more deeply into this last facet that we introduced last fall in the next two or three sermons. Uh, today we're going to look at the fact that our past is actually very present, and so we ought to be paying attention to the root systems of our souls, that we'll get to know ourselves better in that way. Let me uh, remind you of some great words that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12. He says this, make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. Jesus is using an organic uh, illustration here to talk about the state of our human souls. We are the tree here. And Jesus always, always wants to make the tree good. Someone say always. Always. He always wants to make the tree good. But as we follow Jesus, we can find ourselves reaching a ceiling of fruitfulness to keep the uh, analogy going, and maturity in our lives. And that often happens when we either underestimate or simply fail to recognize a couple of important things. Number one, everything is spiritual. Everything in our life comes back down to a root cause of what's happening in us and through us spiritually. And secondly, our past really is very present. So we're going to explore that for the next few minutes. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Reality is complex. That's something that we ought to go ahead and embrace as growing Christians. If you get an overly simplistic explanation of how we work as human beings and what's going on in us, or how life in Jesus works when it comes to this intersection between mental and emotional health and our spirituality, overly simplistic explanations are a sure sign that we've left reality. If it seems uh, too simple, too straightforward, we're probably ignoring something important, and we don't want to do that. Truth is almost always holding tensions. One thing is true, another thing is true. They don't always seem like they go perfectly together, but the truth is in the middle. The truth is in holding those two realities together. Here's an example for what we're talking about today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 famously says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. 
right? That's great news for us as human beings. That in Jesus, we get to become new people from the inside out. But you also can find, uh, not far in your Bibles from that passage, a passage in Romans chapter 7, where Paul confesses, speaking to the struggle of what it means to live out our faith in a day-to-day way, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. He is being real here about our own human condition, and real about the fact that when we say yes to Jesus, we are beginning a healing and growing and learning journey. But we are not completing that journey. We are only beginning that journey. And so the rest of our earthly lives are made up of learning from Jesus, allowing ourselves to be healed by Jesus, and giving him guidance and control of our lives. So we live between those two tensions. I am made new, I am forgiven, and I am right before God, and I will spend eternity with him, and I am being made new. And what we don't always appreciate is the the depth to which we're being made new. Some of that is up to our own teachability and openness and, and flexibility, pliability before the Lord, our own desire to grow. So we don't want to underestimate or fail to recognize these couple of things. Everything is spiritual in the past is very present. Let me illustrate. Number one, um, everything is spiritual in this regard. If we are the tree, then we, we ought to go ahead and embrace the reality that our mental and emotional, intellectual, relational, even financial, social, on and on, all the aspects of our lives as human beings, complex, diverse, wonderful, wonderfully made human beings, all fall under the rubric of what's happening in our spiritual maturity. That really it's becoming alive and awake in Jesus that begins to help us see all these other areas as he would want us to see them. We're finally been, been given, we've finally been given the lens through which we can begin to, to, to live wisely and heal and, and, and move forward in healthy ways in all of these Areas. And when we refuse to mature, when we don't cooperate with Jesus in any one of these areas, we decide, like we talked about last week, to go ahead and stay the Lord of our own life in any one of these areas and kind of don't let him in, we end up stunting our overall spiritual growth and maturity. You may be a Christian for X number of years, say 20, 25 Years. You may been, have been a Christian all that time, but that doesn't make you a mature 25-year-old Christian if you stopped growing after the first year. You've just been a one-year-old Christian 25 times, right? And we all can experience that, right? There's all, there, all of us can reach a ceiling of our own maturing and, and healing when we kind of just decide, hey, I think I've learned enough, I, I, I'm good enough, I, I, I'm healthy enough, I'm, I'm fine, Right? Very few words do more damage to our mental and emotional health than those two words, I'm fine, right? And so uh, when, when in reality Jesus might go, hmm, there's more I'd love to do in you because I love you. And that takes us to number two, health here in the trunk, so to speak, of our lives relies on health here in 
the roots, our root system consists of things like our environment growing up, our tra the, any traumas we may have suffered, the imprinted beliefs we grew up with, successes we've had, dependencies we developed, family uh, that, that we, we grew up with or that we currently have right now. All kinds of things are there in our root system. All this and more from our past play a role in forming who we are right up to today. Is that true? Sure, it is. It is. If we stop and reflect on it, we do realize there's a lot of influence right up to this very morning uh, from our past that's right there present in our, pre in our today. And so this has a lot to do with the fruit of our lives, what's happening in our lives, who we are and how we're developing and who we're becoming. And Jesus cares deeply about the fruit of our lives. Not just seeing our souls saved so we can go to heaven when we die. He wants to see us thriving, fruitful people. And that includes our mental and emotional health. And so when the fruit of our lives ends up including, and we want to be very real about this, right? We, we should be, as Christians, uh, comfortable and honest about these uh, aspects of our complex humanity. When the fruit of our lives might include some things like these, anxiety or stress, fear, self-harm, Envy, depression, resentment, suicidal thoughts, avoiding vulnerability, addiction, shame, violence, abuse, self-hate, compulsive hurry, rage, distorted self-image, strife, pride, self-centeredness, eating disorders, pornography, toxic relationships, on and on. All of us can experience in our own normal human lives, even as Christians, fruit that we look at and say, I'd really like to see that not be in my life. Amen? Right? That, that's, a, that's a normal and actual thing that we all should just accept and be able to talk about as believers in Jesus. We want to be a church in which you can, we can talk about these things without judgment and with lots of mercy and grace and love. So we can be sure that the Lord, and the Lord certainly knows this, we can be sure there's some work to do in our root system if we look around and see any or some of those fruit in our lives. Peter Scazzaro writes in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, the work of growing in Christ, what theologians call sanctification, he says, does not mean we don't go back to the past as we press ahead to what God has for us. See, that's the tension, right? I'm made new and I'm being made new. It actually demands we go back in order to break free. That's a great phrase. From unhealthy and destructive patterns that prevent us from loving ourselves and others as God designed. Go back in order to break free. That that is something that we, we need to see the value in because there's a lot of growth and healing that may not be happening in our lives because we've not chosen to see that. Now, freedom is a key concept for Jesus, right? In fact, it's really one of the things that Jesus is absolutely all about. Let's just refresh ourselves on that real quick. At the beginning of his ministry in Luke chapter 4, he uh, takes, he's in the synagogue and he, he's handed the scroll and he opens it up and he reads these words and says to everyone after reading them, I'm this guy. This, this, what I just read, is going to be fulfilled right here in your hearing. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind. See, that's the thing about root systems is you can't see them, right? We're blind to much of our root system. We need freedom from the things that imprison us. 
to set the oppressed free. Again, freedom twice here in just one breath to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. John chapter 8, he turns uh, to the Pharisees and anyone else listening, and he says, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free, and you can count on this. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So this is Jesus' M.O., proclaiming favor and grace, as we just read there in Luke, and telling the truth. He's not changed. He's the same today as he's ever been. And in my life and in yours, his method, his approach to you and me is not to condemn us or to shame us or to wag his finger at us and blame us for whatever fruit is happening in our lives. Instead, he comes to us and he wants to proclaim favor. He wants to extend grace And then he wants to tell us the truth, because he knows the truth, right? And he knows everything about my life, every fruit on every branch and every root under the ground. The ones I might intuit are there, and the ones I have no idea are there. He sees them all. He knows all about our unhealthy fruit, why it's there, and how to grow healthy fruit instead. And he knows all about our roots more than we do. And he stands ready to proclaim favor and grace and tell us the truth. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. This is a principle. He has stated it. It's true for you and me, and it's what he wants to do. So if we don't like the fruit in our lives, and if any of us are honest, we're going to look around and do a little fruit inspection and probably see some things that we would love to see uh, be different about the fruit of our lives. We have to join Jesus in working through our roots. That can mean joining Celebrate Recovery every Monday night here at Outlook. That can mean finding a therapist and getting in therapy. That can mean joining a care or support group here at Outlook or or uh, others all around our city. Our root system, let's now dive into that, could be described more simply as the patterns, the pains, and the people that have and are forming our living. We'll talk more about people and families next Sunday and pain and trauma after that. Today we're going to look at the patterns briefly and the habits and the stories that have got all of us to where we are today, wherever that is. Now, I'm going to be fairly general about this because there are lots of us and we're all unique in some ways. And so take these general observations from Scripture and then begin to apply them to your specific situations So we're unique in some ways, but we're also the same in these ways. And so let me just move through some things that we can use as a kind of a self-assessment about our root system, just to get our minds going in that direction, all right? First, what story have I been told in my life about how life works, about what's true, about purpose, about my potential, about my worth? Maybe we've gotten some really great Uh, stories told to us, some messages given to us over our lives that have really helped us, and we believe we see the world in a pretty healthy way. Maybe we also see that there are some things that didn't serve us very well, some some stories about how life works or or how people should treat each other or our own self-worth, and maybe some of those stories, they didn't work so well, and they've really borne some bad and rough fruit in our lives. We can ask ourselves, when was the first time we received or heard such a message, especially those that aren't serving us too well, but we're still kind of believing? Do you still want to believe and receive that message, that story? Who told you that story? 
And was it more about them when we stop and think about it than maybe it was about you? Those are some good starting questions. I'm reminded of Ephesians chapter 2, in which we hear this story. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That when I begin to turn and listen to the story that God has for me, I begin to realize he's had me in mind for a good long time. And that he has good things in store for me, planned for me, in mind for me. And that he created me on purpose for his purposes. I'm not a mistake. I'm not an afterthought. I'm not flawed in my design. But that his intention for me is good. In fact, it says we are his masterpiece. We're created in him. Now that's a better story, but not always the story we grow up hearing. You are not defined by the worst thing that's happened to you. You are not the worst thing you've ever done, and you are not the worst thing someone has said about you. There is a new and infinitely better story to be discovered in the good news of Jesus. Amen? Here's another question. What shame is still clinging to me. Now, if you're already a believer in Jesus, as I think many of us are, but if you're not yet, and you're still checking out what that means, man, I'm super, super glad you're with us, whether you're here or on, online. Uh, feel free to reach out to us and learn more about that. We always want to make sure that Outlook is a safe place where people can explore the truth of Jesus, learn about what that means, and, and ask any question that they have. So if that's you, I'm really glad you're, you're with us, you're listening to this. But as we say yes to Jesus, it, that shame that we inherit almost as, as just human beings born with sin, it doesn't just drop off at the drop of a, you know, at the, at the snap of, of fingers. What shame is still clinging to me? Shame is not guilt or conviction. These are right and good responses to our, of our consciences when it comes to our sin. To feel guilt when we've done something wrong or conviction about that is right. But shame is a residue of worthlessness or distance between ourselves and God. Condemnation is the word that the scriptures use to describe it. And shame is in the DNA of every human being. And, but it is also the thing we are redeemed and healed from as reborn children of God. Shame tells me I'm not enough, insufficient. Shame tells me I am inherently and always bad, irredeemable. Shame tells me I don't matter, I'm insignificant. These are the things that shame teaches us and tells us. Again, a better story is told in Romans chapter 8. We read, there is now no condemnation. Not some, not a little. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of of sin and death, that that pattern, we're talking about patterns, that there was a pattern of sin and death, that they're like the law of gravity, I drop something, it falls to the ground, there was a law in my life, right, in my own mind and in my own body that was sin and death, sin and death, distance from God, shame and worthlessness. But the law of the Spirit gives us life and begins to remove that condemnation, and it really isn't there when it comes to us. In Jesus. Another question when it comes to our root system. Here's one. What do I depend on to get me through whatever we might need to get through? 
Ultimately, anything and anyone other than Jesus to depend on, ultimately to depend on, we certainly have some dependence on our loved ones and on our brothers and sisters in Jesus and our our church. That's a good thing to lean on. That's why God gives us each other. But ultimately, the one that we ultimately depend on, anything and anyone other than Jesus in that place becomes an unreliable and counterproductive, to say the least, support for us. It may be drink, it may be video games, it may be binge-watching Netflix, it may be uh, uh, compulsive spending, it may be, I mean, you fill in the blank. There are all kinds of ways that we may cope or things we may depend on when we're trying to get through something. But ultimately, we need to see what those things are and why they're there. Chances are the answer lies in our root system. But in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, this high priest, speaking of Jesus, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. That when I'm most in need, when I'm at the end of myself, I don't go to A, B, C, I don't go to all these other things, but I first go to Jesus, and I will get the help that I need most. That's something that we learn as we begin to understand and kind of unearth the patterns that are underneath our habits and behaviors and even dependencies. Here's another question. What have I been taught to fear? What have I been taught to fear? In 2 Timothy, Paul says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. But it's important to think, whatever has made me afraid... And chances are really good that some of the things that I'm afraid of in my life were probably kind of embedded in me when I was young. Interpersonal conflict, the disappointing others, failure, or maybe at least my perception of failure, even death or or injury. There are all these things that we may avoid to the point of fear, and they begin bearing the direction of our life. Yesterday, uh, we kind of had a delayed Christmas uh, with some family uh, because of COVID. So uh, we were in southern Indiana, Tamara and I, yesterday um, to, to be with her side of the family. And while we're down there, uh, you know, our phones are giving us weather alerts about all the uh, slick roads up here in Indy, right? And so we're kind of looking at that. And so as we're driving home, we're paying pretty close attention to the thermometer, right, in the car. Is it getting colder as we're going? What's it doing up in Indy? What are we, what are we facing? And so that was, that was kind of an example of we weren't afraid, but we were certainly appropriately cautious and aware of what could happen. But when that turns into something more than just appropriate cautiousness, like no one, has, no one enjoys letting other people down, that's one thing. Being deathly afraid and avoidant of ever disappointing anyone, that's another thing, right? And so, so there are lots of things in our lives that are just like that. We, we get the report or, or we have this idea, and the way we perceive it, how do we respond to it? Does fear and anxiety just well up in us, and we begin basing all our decisions based on that, that possibility or that report? Or do we just simply take it in as part of our day-to-day living? The greater the fear, the more we base our decisions on it. And chances are really good those fears are driving our lives, but those fears are caused by stuff in our root system, stuff underneath 
that's driving those fears. And so unearthing that can be a real revelation. Here's one last question. What love, if any, have I been allowed to have? What kind of love? What level of love? This is in some ways the most important question. How has love been defined to me as I was growing up, as as I'm living my life? And what level of love do I feel worthy of or have I received or not received from those around me in my life? I really don't know if there is a question more important than that one, but hear this from 1 John chapter 3. See what great love, someone say great love, what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and in case we didn't catch it, he says, and that is what we are. That's a new and better story. David Benner writes in his book, Surrender to Love, the fact that I am deeply loved by God is increasingly the core of my identity, what I know about myself with most confidence. Such a conviction is, I am convinced, he writes, the foundation of any significant spiritual growth. And I agree with him. And so as you think of that, let the love, on any given day, let the love of God rain on you, soak in it down to your roots. I am deeply, completely loved by God. We experience that, or or we let that rain, so to speak, soak in, in worship, as we're experiencing today, in fellowship with each other, in prayer to God, in time in His Word. We soak in this one fact, I am deeply and unchangeably loved by God. Let that soak into your root system, and a lot of things can begin to become more fruitful in your life. Now, Benner also writes this, it is the things in ourselves that we refuse to face that have the greatest potential to tyrannize us. He's right there as well. A lack of self-examination can lead to ongoing self-deception. And this is how I want to wrap us up this morning. We've talk, I've talked about a lot of stuff. We're, we're soaking in a lot of truth here on, on, on this Sunday morning. Maybe you just thought, I was just trying to wake up, and now we, we're, we're talking about all this, right? So I get that. But so if anything, let all that, let all that come in, but, but I want to leave you with this idea. A lack of self-examination will lead to ongoing self-deception, and I don't want that for any of us, and I know the Lord certainly doesn't either. Now, that does not, that does not mean our mental and emotional challenges are all our fault somehow, or, or that we're to blame, so to speak, but it is to say that they are most likely going to heal through our prayerful engagement and awareness. As the psalmist prayed in, 139, search, in Psalm 139, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, right? We all have those. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The psalmist here is admitting that he does not have a full assessment of his choices and actions and what they mean and where his motivations are coming from. God, search me. Know my heart. If there's an offensive way in me, if there's a root that's producing some fruit that we both agree that shouldn't be there, do something about it. So he invites the Lord to test him and reveal to himself his own heart and mind to have a good look around and show him what he needs to see. God, show me my root system. That's a great prayer right there, just that one sentence. God, show me what you see, my root system. We all have one, and as root systems go, they're largely 
underground, right? Psalm 119 says, Who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. God stands ready to forgive us. We stand right before God. That's that's right over here. I'm already made new. Praise the Lord, right? Yet, he also stands ready to heal me, to grow me, to mature me, to, 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 to get in there and do the work that will allow me to be the most fruitful person that I possibly can. That's what love would do, right? And that's what he does for us. He loves us. William Faulkner once famously wrote, the past is never dead. It's not even past. Our past is very present in the pains and the people and the patterns that are still speaking into and guiding our lives. But Jesus wants to speak as well and to heal. And friends, this is simply pivotal. We can't talk about mental and emotional health and its intersection to our spirituality without talking about this. And please know, we care about your mental and emotional health, and we see and embrace the reality that it is inextricably tied and part of our spiritual health and maturity. So I'd urge you, get with a trusted brother or sister in Christ. Get with a good friend. If you want to begin to think more about your root system, meet with a pastor to pray and consult the scriptures. And depending on the fruit that you're seeing in your life, find and do the work with even a trained and qualified, and I would add, Christian therapist. Whatever the next step is that you discern is best, please don't deny the root-to-fruit connection that we all live with. And frankly, those around us are living with our root-to-fruit connection too. It's through prayer, it's through understanding the truths of Scripture, and it's through how Jesus uses people, such as the ones I just mentioned, in his expert healing of us, that he remedies our roots and makes us good trees with good fruit. Let's pray about that. Lord, we thank you that you do care so much about us. You see us, you see everything about us, top to bottom. You see all the things we can't and don't, and you love us completely. You want nothing but the best for us. You want to see us thriving and fruitful. You want to see our wounds healed. You want to see our traumas healed. You want to see our misperceptions. Uh, You want to see those replaced with truth and the stories that we've been told that didn't serve us very well. Jesus, you're a master storyteller and you have good, good stories to tell about us and to us. So Lord, we receive all that. We thank you for it. God, I pray that all of us would see our mental and emotional health as an absolutely normal and real part of what it means to be a human being created in your image and that that's an area that's that's absolutely spiritual as well and part of what you want to do in our overall growth and maturity. God, we thank you for this reality and I thank you for this church so open and willing to embrace it. In Jesus' name, amen.